Welcome to FoxCast Physical Therapy, a podcast for clinicians made by clinicians. It's brought to you by Fox Rehabilitation. Find out more at foxrehab.org. All right, welcome to FoxCast. Uh, I'm your host, physical therapist, Jimmy McKay. Uh, Today, I'm going to try something a little bit different, going to critically appraise articles for other clinicians who maybe don't have the time to to read some of this research at the moment. A lot of people talk about wanting to have uh, access to the latest research and, you know, with the amount of information we have access to, wouldn't it be great to be able to kind of distill it down into something really quick and digestible you can just listen to on your drive to or from work? So that's what we're trying to do here today. Let's introduce the uh, people we have on the show today from left to right, no stranger to the uh, program, Megan Mitchell, physical therapist with Fox Rehab. Megan, welcome back to the show. Hi, Jimmy. Thank you so much. Uh, And Connie Lewis is coming back as well. Hi. Thanks for having me back. So the idea is you guys both took a look at an article and we're going to really break it down, really go through your thought process or the things that you were thinking or feeling about this particular paper and what you guys ultimately can get out of it. And really the big takeaway for the audience is what can you now do with it? What can you do with it? And which patients can you apply this this research to? The uh, the title of the article you guys took a, lo- a look at was Functional Performance with Age, the Role of Long-Term Strength Training. This was recently published in the Journal of Geriatric Physical Therapy. Author, Unheim et al., uh, Faculty of Medicine in the Norwegian University of Science and Technology. To start this off, let's talk about that impact factor. We were talking about that just before the, uh, the article got underway. We want to take a look at where this was actually published. Right. So just because something was published doesn't mean you should take it on equal ground if it's published somewhere else. So talk about what impact factor is in in this particular article. The impact factor ranks the importance of a journal by calculating an average of the number of times a selected articles of that particular journal have been cited by other articles within the last few years. So basically, the higher the impact factor, the more highly ranked the journal for comparison. For comparison, the New England Journal of Medicine has the highest journal impact factor of all general medical journals with a number of 70.67. The journal that we're looking at, Journal of Geriatric Physical Therapy, has an impact factor of 2.283. Is this bad? Definitely not. In 2017, only 39.4% of all journals had an impact factor of two or greater. And only the top 5% of journals have impact factors equal or greater than six. This is an awful scale. Like average (laughs) is like, you know, three and a half to four. And this one's got a 70. But uh, all right. So so what we're saying is the Journal of of Geriatric Physical Therapy. Good journal to uh, to reference if you're talking about physical therapy interventions or testing in geriatric physical therapy. Definitely. We definitely want to include what impact factor was first for you. All right. So let's start with purpose. Like why? Let's start with the why. Why did the the author and and his colleagues decide to do this? What they were looking at really was long-term strength training and how that related to functional performance. Basically two things. They were comparing the strength, uh, functional performance between older adults who participated in strength training, as well as those that just participated in recreational activities, such as hiking and walking. They wanted to look at, okay, if you were strength training into older age, are you performing better in functional tasks such as sit to stands and climbing upstairs? And is that better than just participating in hiking and golfing and other activities? So it was a great article to look at, especially with physical therapists, because we always like to say, load it, strengthen, stronger is better, be stronger, live longer. Right, uh, some, exactly. some taglines that we use in and around geriatric physical therapy. So where do we uh, where do we go next? Uh, how about the IMRAD, which I actually Googled before we started this. The IMRAD is kind of a framework, really. So how you would look at the introduction, methods, 
results and discussion. I-M-R-A-D. So walk us through the IMRAD, how you would go through that. We'll start with the introduction. Yeah, absolutely. So in the introduction, the authors outlined how age-related decline in muscle strength is associated with a reduction of functional performance of everyday tasks, such as chair rising and stair climbing, as well as walking and balance, something that Fox clinicians, we definitely know all too well. And something that I thought was interesting when they had pointed this out was I was slightly confused if they were saying that this strength loss was due to the actual aging process or if this is just something common that was found in older adults. And they didn't delve into that exactly, but later on in the introduction, they do mention that master athletes have the same amount of strength that they tested in 20-year-olds. So if you continue to strengthen your muscles, you're not going to lose all of that muscle mass. So it's not completely due to the actual natural aging process, but more so due to lifestyle choices. Yeah as participating in recreational activities instead of strength training, which is definitely common that I've seen, at least among my clients. How about you, Connie? Yeah. I was just going to say that the authors do note that in the intro that physical activity patterns of most older adults characterized by those recreational activities you were talking about, such as walking, hiking, they mentioned golf, all of which um, are low force demand. So in my opinion, they wanted to test a theory that these activities may not provide sufficient overload to yield high muscle strength. So, you know, they're looking at strength training in older adults and are recreational activities enough? That, like I tell my clients all the time, walking isn't enough. Right, it's not that comes sufficient up a lot. for what you need to do. Even though you might be walking, even let's say just to the kitchen and back, that's not enough to have sufficient It's not going to strengthen strength. the muscles. No. no. So that was the introduction. All right. Anything else that they were looking at in terms of other things in the literature? So what's different from this study than other studies is that in previous studies, they looked at short-term strength training programs. So it ranged from about eight weeks to six months. And this is more like lifestyle. Right. Versus, exactly. Okay, so the, the group that they were really looking at was the master athletes. So those that, have, that are currently participating in a strength training program. And these are all older adults averaging of the age of 71 years. Yeah. We'll go into that more later though. Mm -hmm. Who were the researchers looking at specifically? Yeah, so there are four different groups. They compared a group of long-term strength trained master athletes. They compared them to three different groups. So they had recreationally active older adults, sedentary older adults, and then a young control group. It's important to note that the young control group isn't currently participating in a strength training program. Any problems so far with the setup that you're, the way you're looking at it? Yeah, they really didn't define what they meant by master athlete. I was a little confused by that too, because they, they said that these are individuals that have been competitive in weight and power training for 34 years is what they mentioned in the article, but I personally didn't know what that meant by the 34 years. Is that an average of all of them? I, I, I didn't oh, really I get it. Right, exactly. When did they start and what is the strength program that they're doing? I did find a definition of master athlete. It's very broad. It just says someone who is older than 35 years who either trains for or takes part in athletic competitions, often specifically designed for older participants. That's super broad. I hate when in papers they use a term or definition they don't 
define it. Especially when this is like the core group right, that we're crux, looking at. Right. So right. That, that, that's a limitation or, or at least a, a point of confusion yes. in this so far. So what about the methods section? So this was a cross-sectional study. It had four sample groups. There were 11th strength trained master athletes with the mean age of 71. I don't believe that they told us the range of the ages. So we don't know what the youngest participant was and we don't know who the oldest participant was. Okay. True. This was the only group that was reported to participating in a regular strength training program at least three times a week. They also had a group of a recreationally active older adults with a mean age of 73. So they defined this as someone who was active more than one hour a week at least two times a week doing activities such as hiking, golf, cross-country skiing, cycling, and dancing. The third group consisted of 10 sedentary older adults with the mean age of 71, and they took part in activities less than two times a week. The last was the moderately active young reference group, which consisted of nine individuals with the mean age of 22. All right, so we're looking at older adults, master athletes average age of 71 who are regularly lifting and doing strengthening. Yes. They're looking people uh, who are recreationally active, so people who move a lot, but Mm -hmm. not necessarily you know, loading it and lifting and, and power training, sedentary older adults, and then moderately active young in terms of mean age of 22. So a little bit different. Right. Yep. And they don't even say what that group does. But it's interesting to note, so the recreationally active older adults, they're still not meeting the guidelines that have been set for healthy living. So it's only one hour, uh, two times a week. Okay. And it doesn't talk about the intensity. Right. All right. Anybody excluded who they leave out? Yes, anyone with a cardiopulmonary disease, neurological disease, or any acute pain that would restrict the testing procedures. All right, so that's who they, that's who they excluded. And then what do they actually look at? Now that we know the who, what they actually do? Okay, so this was actually, it was a one-time thing, so it was a two-hour session where they tested each individual on a couple of different functional tests and then two strength tests. So the functional tests consisted of a balance test, a walking speed test, a chair rise test, and then stair climbing test. So with those tests, the balance, what they used was a force plate where they assessed postural sway. And they did this in two different single leg standing exercises, which I did like. So one was just static standing for 10 seconds. And the second one was 30 seconds with a cognitive task, which included repeating a series of numbers backwards to a specific bead. So I did like that they added in that extra component. However, the balance test was a static standing balance. So when talking about the research later on, looking at balance, I don't know if this was a good measure of balance, Okay, but we'll talk about that later. The second was a 10 meter walking speed test. The chair test was just the five times sit to stand. And then the stair climbing, important to note that they had to climb 12 steps as fast as they could without using a handrail. So this is where I thought they were actually looking at the power component of lower extremity strength. Um, But when they said they weren't going to use a railing, I thought that added a potential balance factor. So I thought that might have hindered some of their results. Right. Well, what was more interesting was that all of the participants were able to complete this without holding on to the railing. And how many older adults that we know can actually do that? Correct. So when they define sedentary and this recreationally active, this they might be a higher level function performing patients than what we would typically see. And I think that they mentioned that in the limitations we'll get to later. Okay. All right. They also did two tests that looked at strength and then the rate of force development. Okay. So for these, they gave the participants a 10 minute break 
that was actually between each functional test. And then for the strength test, they then took a 15-minute break and performed a one rep max using a horizontal leg press. Like that. They said that it took them about three to five trials to get their one rep max, which is important to note. So it didn't take them too long to get that. So the muscles weren't too fatigued. And then they also tested their rate of force development. So power. looking at that power. Yeah, I like that. All right. So mm-hmm. now we just went over what they were putting them through. The single-legged balance test, the walking speed test, stairs, chair rise, results. So it's important to note that first, the auth- there was no differences observed in their age, body weight, or height between the three older adult groups, which could have affected their strength or their power. So there their- was no, there were no differences. Yeah, Correct. this Got is it. Good. good. So they're testing on similar individuals, so right. we can good. leave the results. So they found for the one RM test, they found that master athletes were stronger than active older adults. So the people who lift, <laughs> those people are stronger than the people who hike and are active. Got it. I just want to make sure. We're, we're clear. Good. Yes. And when they looked at the rate of force development, they saw no differences observed between master athletes and young adults, as well as no differences between recreationally active and sedentary. All right. So what does that mean? So wait, hold on. No difference between master athletes and young adults. So yes. great. People who, li- you know, older adults who lift and young adults who and we they don't define kind of ambiguous about that right but we know that when you're younger you're participating in more activities that involve that power you're probably climbing more stairs to begin with So those two groups were similar no difference correct and then no difference between recreationally active and sedentary so this is important to know so that means that if you're participating in things like walking or hiking or golfing you're not really working on that power component i can't tell you how many times my mom my own mother says to me well i walk every day and i yell at her and i say that is not strength training we have this argument all the time and this is another thing where you know a couple of us as we record this are wearing these things on our wrist where we you know get to ten thousand steps a day and you feel like you've 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 got your steps you've accomplished something you got your steps that is not strength training okay all right let's focus on that we're moving to next okay so Let's see here. So for the chair rise test, master athletes and the young group performed better than the active adult and so sedentary group. Still consistent. From right. The exactly. Findings. With Good. the power. So that's what we just talked about. Yeah. So again, like we were talking about before, there was no difference with the chair rise test between the active and sedentary group. So again, oh, consistent with the power. Yeah. Basically starting to confirm their original hypotheses with this one. Okay. Correct. So now we're looking at the stair climbing test. They found that master athletes did better than both the active and sedentary groups. Okay. And the young comparison group did better than master athletes. Okay. And there was no difference again between the active and sedentary. Man, that's the big, I mean, for me so far, we're only halfway through this. That's like the big take home is that active, we think, you know, should be weight, it should be better, measurably better. strength train. It is, there's a big difference there. You have to load the muscle groups. Okay. Moving on to what? Walking speed? Okay. So here's where the recreationally active kind of have a slight advantage. When they were looking at walking speed, there was there was only a difference observed between the sedentary older adult group and the other three groups. So only the sedentary did poorly on the walking speed compared to the other So really the difference here is we move those active adults, they did better here. Correct. Right, so so speed... Speed is good, but does it really correlate with strength, right. I think, is what they're talking about. So I think there's something more to do with the speed as a balance component than than the strength component that they're looking at here. Right. 
And exactly. And so what they found was that there was a correlation between the one RM test and the chair rise test, as well as the one RM and the stair climbing power ability. There was also a correlation between stair climbing and chair rising ability. So again, like we said before, that strength and power translates over into the ability to stand up from a chair faster and climb upstairs faster. So just because you're walking down the road doesn't mean you can get up from a chair. Yeah. How sad is that? Yeah. And I think a lot of people think that, you know, getting your steps in and, and being, I mean, recreationally active, you think would be fantastic. And we're seeing these things, at least in, in this particular study. How did the uh, authors summarize? Where we're going to be summarizing the findings? What, what did they state as these things? Right. So like we talked about, they were able to show that master athletes are stronger and have more power. And they exhibited better functional performance compared to other older adults during the more force-demanding functional tasks, such as the chair rising and stair climbing. But let's not forget that they had those two other tests, that static standing balance as well as the walking speed. So during those less force-demanding tasks that I just talked about, there were no differences observed between the master athletes and the active older adults. But both groups were better than the sedentary older adults. Right. So less demanding tasks, the recreational uh, athletes are actually going to perform well. Less at, force demanding. Right, less force. Okay, mm -hmm. got it. That's clear. Yes, exactly. And so at least this does conclude that something is better than <laughs> nothing. <right>. Good. <laughs> A win for something. Good. But not enough. Right. I did like how they touched on the biomechanical analyses um, that have shown that how chair rising and stair climbing require more than twice the power output of the muscle surrounding the knee joint yeah. than what is used for regular walking, which goes back to what a lot of my patients tell me. Well, I walk all the time. You know, why is it hard for me to get up or climb stairs? There's a difference in the strength and power component it's just of doing these right. activities versus just walking. Yeah, if, I um, mean, it's two different systems. Totally different. All right. Discussion part of the analysis strengths, weaknesses that uh, you saw, maybe want to bring back up that we've just that we've mentioned already, or that the authors actually called themselves out on? Yeah, so they, I did like that when they tested everyone, they were doing it at the same time of the day. Good. So we know that with older adults, timing could be important, as well as, you know, when it relates to when they're eating. So the authors did point out a weakness in the fact that the master athletes actually do have higher strength and may be stronger than the average older adult. They also pointed out that their recreational activity group might have a higher activity level than the average older adult. Which is good. We wanted to test that, right? I mean, that's what you wanted to see. Correct. But when it relates to Fox clinicians, this might not be specifically oh, translated you, over okay. but so the average older exactly. adult that we see it's not right. is not right okay is right. probably closer to which group sedentary right okay i wanted to make sure before you, i wanted you guys to say but something that's exciting to point out then that would be if they had a lower performing recreationally active older adults the difference between the master athlete group and the recreationally active older adult group would be much different and then you would really highlight the difference and the importance of strength training okay bottom line conclusion and that's what you is must it strength train yeah, there you go load it strength training is 
huge for our older adults and that just walking and participating in activities though that's important for a social component it's not enough for those functional tasks that they need in order to reduce their risk on need for caregivers or other assistance for help and really maintain that independent lifestyle that we want for all of our clients so Megan uh, you say strength train I want I want the listeners here to take away something some things that are very specific and you are an excellent clinician and what would you tell people who are working with older adults to start thinking about today after hearing about this study what are they going to do differently tomorrow dosage so it's important when you're trying to strength train for older adults that we want it to be so that there is fatigue by the eighth rep. It's important to note like what is fatigue. We don't have to ask our clients when they're fatigued. We can see it when their form starts to deteriorate. Performance, yeah. Exactly. When they're rate of breathing starts to increase, we can tell that that's when they are getting tired. And that needs to happen. Their form needs to break by the eighth rep in order to work on strength. Stop telling people to do sets of 10. Right. When people ask you, you know, how well, how many of these are, am I going to do? The answer is, I don't know. You're going to keep going until I see that your form is changing. And if it's more than eight, guess what? That load was probably not enough. Two things. Like one, when it comes to Fatigue in general, when you ask them, are you tired? They are running at a general level of fatigue. More often than not, when I show up at my client's house, they're, they're already saying that they're tired. So that's their relative baseline. So instead of doing that, again, look at their form. And when my clients, when they get to eight and they're still doing well, instead of saying like, oh, guess we gotta make it harder, I reframe it as congrats, that was way too easy. Now we have to make it where we're actually gonna challenge you, where we're gonna produce some results. So it's not a drag that I have to make it higher. This is exciting because you've reached an awesome accomplishment. I love the way you phrase that. I think that's important for a lot of our listeners to phrase it that way. It's definitely made a huge difference to show it as an accomplishment instead of something that they have to dread. Changing a little bit of that perspective is huge. Yeah, and then the other thing for strength training is that we also really want to work on that power component, so speed. So we want to do it fast during the concentric phase and then slow with the eccentric phase. So this is helpful for the joints. It really strengthens the muscles. So for sit to stance, a best way to do that is stand up as fast as you can and sit as slow as you can. And if that is counting to the beat of five, four, three, two one that tends to be really helpful uh anything else you guys want to add i think this is a good start uh we'd love to hear from you guys as you're listening so if you if you found value in these ladies breaking down this particular article and what you want to hear more uh feel free to reach out to us uh, at foxrehab.org megan and connie will do the reading you guys can take all the benefit i just wanted to say thank you megan for all of your hard work on this oh thank you guys for having me all right, my ladies, pleasure thank you so much for uh highlighting the uh, important research if you'd like a, a link to uh, information about it we'll put it in the show notes of this episode Thanks for listening to FoxCast PT. It's brought to you by Fox Rehabilitation. Fox clinicians work hard, love their work, and get the respect they deserve. Sound good? Then you'll love the autonomy to work in your own style and the support you get to achieve excellence. Plus, freedom and flexibility to have a personal life. Whether it's your first day or you've been around for a while, your contribution is acknowledged and rewarded. That's what makes Fox a success. Happy, well-trained clinicians make great healthcare. Are you a fit for Fox? Find out now at foxrehab.org.